Isaiah 40:29 says, He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. That's God. That's who God is for us. He strengthens us and gives us the power that we need to be overcomers, to face the challenges that we uh, encounter day by day. And he gives us confidence. And all in the same way, if we're trusting him, he conforms us to the image of his own son. Welcome to the Gaining Strength podcast. Today's a special day because I sit down with a man of God who has been a mentor, a father, a pastor, a corrector to me, and one who has been a a witness of what it is to, to love and teach the Word of God and to love people in a way that draws them to Jesus. He's a man that uh, I certainly want to follow after. And when you think about following someone, you think about, okay, I need to watch them closely. I need to stay close behind them. I need to imitate them. And that's what we're focusing on. Last podcast and this podcast have been uh, themed around the idea of discipleship. And actually, when I when I had my conversation with Pastor Bill Salmon Sr., we talked about evangelism and discipleship and mentoring and fathering and and growth. What it's like to to grow as a Christian and to um, mature. And so it was a great conversation. I hope you'll pull up a chair and and join us. Pastor Bill. You've been a disciple of Christ for quite some time. How would you define discipleship? How would I define discipleship? Well, discipleship, I mean, when you're asking that question, you I assume you are asking what is Christian discipleship. You can be That's a correct. disciple of <laughs> That's true. many things. Yeah. Not but, looking uh, for a guru or a swami or anything like that. Yeah, or, or you know another worldview that. Yeah. You're a disciple of. Thanks for clarifying that. Yes, we yeah. are. This this podcast is directed toward believers of Jesus Christ. Yeah, and and so a disciple would be coming uh, a in like you know I'm, I'm always drawn back to the answer to that question would be like going back to Antioch where it was. Said there that that they was were an first, anti- first called Christians. Christians. Well, why would you call somebody a Christian? Because they begin to act like Christ. Mm-hmm. What they saw in Jesus, they saw in them. Mm-hmm. That's what disciple is, discipleship is about. Growing in our walk with Christ, where we become to look like, act like, we love like, forgive like Jesus did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not there yet, and I don't know many folk who no, have arrived, but we're, it's a journey. It's we're a on the way. That we're on the way uh, to fulfill it. So I, I, I guess I would say it's becoming Christ-like. Well, how, how has that looked, or <clears throat> what has that looked like in your life? Um, did you have people that discipled you when you came to Christ? How, consider that, and then how have you tried to disciple others what has discipleship looked like in your life uh, yeah it uh, I've, I've had people who I would consider 
you know, who discipled me, who mentored me, uh, also a good term, I think. And, and some of the people who mentored and discipled me were not necessarily Christians, but I saw characteristics in, I can think of, I don't want to name them, but I can think of one or two that were just solid, moral, who had values that they lived out no matter where they were, because I, I saw it happen. And, and, and so that, uh, that impressed me. And, uh, and I've said, you've heard me say before, I think that, you know, I never really knew my father. And at and, and, and 17, you don't. Right. You know about him, I mean, but you, what makes him tick? And what's, he, what's, mm-hmm. his, what's his worldview? What, what's, what's he think about God? Because he wasn't a church goer. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and so I was drawn to uh, men that I could solve things I wanted to emulate. That you could follow life, after, that sort I could of. follow after. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, of course, the ultimate one who influenced me more than anybody was, was Earl Tyson, whom I traveled with for, uh, for 10 years. As, uh, he was a Methodist evangelist. So he had a big hand so in the formation of your... big hand in my life, and particularly yeah. the, the spiritual life, drastically, but uh, also the, uh, the natural life, uh, not that you can separate them, but... You know, he was who he was on the street as well as uh, in the church. So he was the same person. He was the same person. Uh, John Hobbs, another one who influenced me in that capacity. John is who he is. It doesn't matter where he is. Mm-hmm. He's uh, You go to a restaurant with John, and uh, before he gets out of there, he'll witness to two or three people and begin a conversation with the... Uh, with the, the, waitress, the waitress, without a doubt, yeah. Well, how how let's let's talk about Earl Tyson and John Hobbs. Can you give me an example of how they impacted the or how they enacted discipleship in your life, or how did it happen that they influenced you? <laughs> well, what I, what I'm saying is, it wasn't necessarily a Bible study. It was just watching their lifestyle. Watching their life. That they lived it. Mm-hmm. They didn't just talk about it. And then you had a desire to, to do the same receive thing. or emulate or... Because that's how my salvation started. Mm-hmm. See, I, you know, my, my testimony would be that uh, all my life, if you'd asked me who Jesus was, I would have said the Son of God. He's the Son of God. But I didn't know that only because I heard other folks say that. I I had no mm-hmm. way of knowing that. But I when I saw a different value in that team that came into our church on that late witness mission, mm-hmm. I really thought they were phonies. Mm-hmm. I mean that that was so strange. Just didn't seem real. No, it didn't seem real. Uh, like I and I used a phrase, and that's exactly how I felt that they acted like they just had lunch with Jesus. You know, I mean, they was he was just our best friend, and they just talked with him. I thought. You know, come mm-hmm. on. You know? Not that I didn't believe in a resurrection, but I never gave it much thought. You know, oh yeah, I knew about the, I'd heard about the cross, but mm-hmm. not because I went to church. Cause I never went to church at all as a as a child, because mm-hmm. mom and dad didn't had no affiliation with the church. But uh, so my conversion, I suddenly decided my conversion happened because I saw in people something that was totally strange to me. Right. But if it was real. I mean, I knew it was good, but is it phony? You know? Right. But if it was real, then I, I'd like to have that. Yes. And I, so that's what I said to God that Sunday morning when the invitation mm-hmm. was given by the lay leader who was mm-hmm. preached the message that Sunday morning, and I just went and knelt. Nobody came to me and prayed for me. He said, squat. 
because the altar filled up it was the mm -hmm. first time in the church I was in that that had ever happened I remember other than mm -hmm. going to the altar to take communion uh, mm -hmm. but that's how they did it but uh, not for private personal ministry and so I just knelt and said God I think we've had a bunch of phonies in our church but if they know you like they claim they know you they, they know you in a way that I don't and, and I I'm want, a candidate for that yeah I like to experience that. And so it's, so it, it sounds like, um, especially when you talk about John and Earl, that a close relationship is really necessary yeah. for discipleship to occur. Yeah, yes. So relationship is critical. It's a I key think, factor. Yes, absolutely. I think, I think relationship is effective in evangelism. I don't think you're going to be effective leading people to the Lord that you don't have a relationship with. Yeah, because if they don't see that thing that they don't have, they're not going to be drawn, no, right? Exactly. Okay. Not going to mean much to them. And so I'm, I'm not too excited about cold calls. And there are people who do that, and it's they have good luck with it. And but that's not me. Yeah. I, I saw it. My mind can't became real out of relationship with that team, and and then. So therefore, I guess that probably impacted how I get mentored by people because I want to see that they're real before you really believe that, you know? Then let me watch your life. Let me watch your life and, and I'll, we'll, we'll see, you know? Yeah. Uh, and there's characteristics. I, I know one guy that I, there were some things I learned from that uh, well, I know was not a Christian. Mm-hmm. But he had values and a philosophy. Of, he was a salesman, and he had a philosophy of life that that that's good. That worked, you know. Uh, and uh, for instance, his 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 mode of dress, uh, and, and he was. This is when I was selling. Uh, well, it was called Farmstead Industries. They built they built a a, a modular hog building. Okay, and and I'd go with him in into pig parlors <laughs> and he had he's got a white shirt and a tie and a suit and a jacket or a, you know wow because that was the image he wanted to portray i mean as a professional and 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 he was good at it and, and and i saw the value of how looks is important he presented himself your your first impression with people you hold on to for a long while mm -hmm. uh, they might blow it and you get rid of it later or they don't blow it and you say that that's who they are and okay that makes sense. Yeah, so you're observing characteristics, and you're evaluating those characteristics, yeah. and through your choices, you either are applying or rejecting the things that that you you value or how you judge them. Yeah. And um, so those things are important, and then the relationships are key. To, to the discipleship. Relational so, evangelism. That leads me to the next part of my question. Considering those factors, and you have been a pastor for many, many years, and Pastor Bill was a founder of Eagles Nest Fellowship Church and launched other churches, it was a participating in many, many ministries, helping them get grounded and founded <laughs> and launched. But... Uh, considering what you just said about discipleship, as you were a pastor, how did you try to facilitate those relationships and the development of, of, 
of Christian worldviews and Christian characteristics in the people that you served as pastor? What was some of the main things there? Well, I guess the main thing is that uh, teaching, teaching the Bible and preaching mm -hmm. from the pulpit, which is important. Absolutely. Uh, but beyond that... Uh, how did you facilitate the relationships like person to person? Because it sounds like what you were saying with John and Earl that people need to have a significant person in their life or they need to see other people's lives. Uh, to me, that's the strength of small groups. And yes. the bigger a church gets, uh, my philosophy and my statement was, I think I stole it from somebody, I don't remember who first said it, but the, the bigger we get, the smaller we gotta grow. Yeah. Because you can get lost in a church of a thousand people. You can hide. You can go in and hide <laughs> and leave, and nobody knows you're there, and and you just be totally autonomous. And so, small groups are absolutely necessary. And it's in small groups, see, that people get to look at you. And mm -hmm. it's in small groups that you get to be who you are, and you're going to impact people in those small groups. Mm -hmm. uh, gives you an opportunity and what we're growing in small groups is leadership. Mm -hmm. You're not only growing yourself, but you're communicating and duplicating who you are. And these these groups need to continue to go and, and to grow and and divide Mul and multiply. multiply. Right. And uh, it, it's that, that ministry that occurs because if, uh, for instance, I discovered that if you ask people uh, who are just so shy and quiet, if you'd ask them to teach a Bible study, they'd freak out and say, hey, no way I can teach the Bible, you know. Right. But if you ask them to facilitate a meeting, they might be more open to it. Mm-hmm. And, and here's, a, here's an outline. You just follow the outline. It's all you got to do or pluck a video. And remember when we did the video, we had 40 groups at one time, and we made videos for all 40 small groups then yeah, right 40 small groups and the video was to try to help facilitate the small groups right we uh, gave them a list of, uh, of questions uh, we gave them an icebreaker to use an icebreaker is uh, some non-theological spiritual question that only you got an answer to like what's the most favorite Christmas present you ever got. Right, know? right. Just, got just gets people that. talking, gets right? Gets people talking. He gets that uh, that one who uh, is awfully shy and in, 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 in a or group afraid. afraid to talk. And that's why you need to keep the group small. Anything bigger than 12 is too, is too many, mm -hmm. really, about a dozen yeah. people. And that's a good number because that's the uh, number Jesus had, I think, somewhere, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and so you know he had he discipled uh, and ministered to uh, twelve guys and only lost one of them. That was a pretty good record. Pretty good statistics. Pretty good record. <laughs> so I I see it being done in in even in your life if uh, even if your your church doesn't have small groups, I think evangelism and discipleship is rooted. I mean it's who we're called to be and it's the thing we're called to do. So you do that, and even if you just go to somebody's house and, and say, I, guess I just had something happen to me, I want to I share my testimony with you, or I want to tell you what, how I experienced God last week and what God, I believe God spoke to me and said, but when you say God spoke to me, I mean, a lot of people's antenna goes up and they think they're not right off the bat, you know. <laughs> but it's biblical. Jesus yes. said, you know, my sheep will know my don't, voice. Don't know my voice. Mm -hmm. and, uh, so it's it's one-on-one, uh, -on -one, it's small groups. Uh, I think that's how we win the world. I don't think we do that with uh, 
mass evangelisms, uh, you know, they're, they're good. I mean, I got a picture in our Billy Graham speaking to a million people when he was in... Uh, wow. Korea, South Korea? Korea? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, holy smoke. And, and, and he's probably influenced more people than 10 people I know yeah. ever influenced, so... So everybody has to has to follow the, what niche, the Lord is right, showing you. Right. I mean, and fill your part in. But but you, as a pastor, a person who was influenced by significant people in your life, you set up a structure within your church that was growing so fast that would enable people to have a life on life type of a witness. They would, you know, you were, you couldn't make it happen, but you you set the atmosphere for them to find people that could yeah. could be that disciple leader. That, that's a good statement. You find an atmosphere where you can do it. And, yeah. Uh, and there's no, you can't put it on three by five cards and say this is how you do it. You know, it's uh, you you just yeah. You just react to what God and respond to what God is saying to you, and uh, and then the God people who are. The people who are are young in their faith that are looking to grow, the people that are hungering to to develop themselves in the Lord, they're going to find that. They're going to pursue it, just like you did when right. you were when you right. were growing in your faith. Right. Wow, yeah, thanks. I, I remember after Earl came to the Earl place came to Goshen uh, after it was a this was a year after I was saved. He came into church talking about the Holy Spirit in a very personal way, which was strange to me. And uh, and I was just drawn to him. And, and so whenever he was up here, no matter where he was, and he was up here in churches all, all up and down the state, I mean, we would drive to go hear him, you know? Sure. Because you're hungry. You, yeah. You, you, you like what you see, and I've never heard that before. And, and you uh, knew you were going to receive something special. Yes, yeah, and it just, it just breathed life into you, and you just felt good all over the morning and where else, you know. Fantastic. The next portion of our conversation was centered around the topic of worldview. In fact, Pastor Bill starts off with a quote that he shared with us from a book by Charles Colson. The book is entitled, How Now Shall We Live?, He highly recommends that we as seasoned Christians read that book, especially considering the events that are occurring in our nation in the midst of the year 2020. Uh, There's a lot of unrest all across our nation, and a part of it stems from a loss of understanding of who we are as a people. And for believers in Jesus Christ, we have lost our focus upon what a Christian and biblical worldview is. And we came to a conclusion in our discussion about worldview that discipleship or a portion of discipleship should be about conveying and imparting what a Christian worldview is for the disciple of Christ, that we should view everything from the perspective that God created everything that there is. The problems that we see in our world are caused by the fall, by sin, and that the answer to the problems that we see in our world is redemption, um, coming into the saving grace of Jesus Christ and seeking first his kingdom. So let's, let's listen to this conversation about worldview and how it pertains to discipleship. What I'm going to read to you is, uh, 
is de- sort of the definition of the church. Okay. Uh, uh, God's plan for us goes way beyond personal salvation. Genuine Christianity is more than a relationship with Jesus as expressed in personal piety, church attendance, Bible study, and works of charity. It is more than discipleship, more than believing a system of doctrine about God. Genuine Christianity is a way of seeing and comprehending all reality. It is a worldview. And that's what we got to get it back to. It, it, it absolutely is. It is a, it is a worldview that, and your worldview, and most people don't even know they got a worldview. Yeah. But your worldview determines the choices you make. The choices we make and live by uh, come out of our worldview. How do we see the world? And it's so embedded, it it can be in our subconscious, and we're not even not aware, even aware of, of it. Yeah. Because most people would not think, if you say that to most people, they don't think they have a worldview, but they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you, you know? And and the basic question of that worldview, as he expresses here, is you know, where, where do we all come? How does this all start? Mm-hmm. Well, as a Christian worldview, we believe in creation. Mm-hmm. That God, there is a sovereign God, who created not only me but this world and all that's in it, as Jesus explained it mm-hmm. in, in furtherance. And uh, we and the sanctity of life and the value of life and the purpose of life. every individual it is all in that mm-hmm. in that fact that God created mm-hmm. and and He created all. And then the, the second question is, uh, well, what happened? How we why did we get such a mess where we got kids killing kids and and people can't decide if they're male or female and and two men marrying and, and how how do we get here? And, and the robbery and the riots that's going on now in uh, all across this nation uh, over the race issue. That, uh, what happened? The fall, mm-hmm. Genesis three. Mm-hmm. Man, man corrupted. See that the natural view, the natural world view would hold that that people are basically good if you just educate them and and give them some money. It won't hack it. You, it, as I've said before, you can educate a pig, but the sucker's still a pig, and he's gonna grunt like, act like, root like, roll in the mud like a pig. Mm-hmm. It's just his nature until that nature is changed, and our nature changed from the way God created us right. in Genesis one, in Genesis three, we change. And so, what's wrong with the world? The fall. Right. You know, there is a, a there is a, a corruption, or if you think about a computer. That, that there's a corruption that happens to the computer and that it affects the whole system and everything that operates. Right. And so every person is born with a corruption in them that has to be healed. Right. You don't have to uh, to teach a two-year-old to cheat. Or lie. Or, or lie. They'll just they'll just do it. I mean, it just comes mm-hmm. natural. It, it's it's the, theologically, everybody calls it the Adamic nature, which right. is what it is. It's the result of, of the fall. And our worldview... The the instant we get saved, our worldview should begin to be changed, but yeah. it doesn't completely change. No, it might and be so, some things you see differently instantly, but for most of us, there is a a process. It's a gradual. That's uh, and that's that's discipleship. You begin to grow, and and Jesus is kind of neat. I, maybe there's something else in that Bible that. Yeah, and so then we can begin to renew our minds by using the, the Word of God. Exactly. That's Which good. Which is what. Jesus said, you know, or Paul said that, that we are to transform the world, not let the world transform us. 
And uh, but the truth of the matter is that the world has affected the church more than the church has affected the world. And we have to fix that. So from a, a broken worldview or a wrong worldview, how do we help to fix that? Redemption. In a, in a word, redemption. We come back to Christ. We come back to God, who is Jesus, is God. He, he, he is, his name is Emmanuel, God with God us. God with us. God and Jesus are the same one, which is, I think, an area of the church has sort of failed to talk about Jesus enough, too. Yes. We talk about God. It's easy to have a concept of God because nobody's seen him. Kind of nebulous, you know. Right. But Jesus is a historical figure. I mean, mm -hmm. it's a fact that he lived. And the only question we have to decide is, is he really who he said he was? But we come back, redemption is coming back to him and surrendering our life to him when we begin to live for him. And and our nature changes. And, and as a result of our nature change, we impact culture mm -hmm. and society, beginning with our family. And uh, we, we bring back the values yeah. that were there in Genesis 1 and 2. Pastor Bill, Paul refers to himself as a father to Timothy. And he distinguishes that role from a guide or a tutor or an instructor. What's, what's the difference between Paul being a father to Timothy than him just being a, an instructor? And how does that impact discipleship? To give you a one-word answer, uh, relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, fathers have a much more intimate relationship than tutors or teachers do. That's true. Uh, not that there's, I mean, there's a, there's a place for teaching and tutors, and we all need the teachers in our lives, I think. But uh, more than anything, we need fathers mm -hmm. that will mentor us. That that we. Again, that close relationship where we live in that home, we know what that father is like, and I think that you know the Bible says that that's the part of the problem. We got too many teachers and not enough fathers, yeah. and I think that's true uh, because it uh, being being a father is tough because uh, uh, you you take responsibility for the failures father or if you're a teacher I don't think you do quite as heavily you as, don't take it do you do bear the person but it's not the same as a father is. yeah uh, so therefore a lot of people don't want to be fathers uh, because you do uh, responsibilities heavy uh, right it's it's the you know when When, when, when sin hits the love, you know, it bleeds and uh, mm. bleed a lot when you're a father a lot because people look to you as a, as a spiritual daddy. And I've had, you know, many people call me their spiritual daddy. And uh, it, it's, it's a heavy responsibility because I've, I've said to some folk uh, recently, I said, I wish I was as good as you think I am. <laughs> you know, because I, I know what I have to deal with and who well, you know you're see, human, yeah. Yeah, uh, and some folks see, you know, the the, the glory would have to, uh, the the muck that you walk through sometimes, and uh, so. Am I answering the question? Yes, Probably. yes, a, yes. I think you're what you're really saying. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think you're saying that there's a depth of love 
and sacrifice in the relationship of a father to yes. a son or a daughter yes. that isn't necessarily there for a teacher. You know, a, a teacher, especially in our day and age, a teacher has a set of students for a season, but a, a father right. should be a permanent. Yeah, and a, and a father probably tells them, you know, I think um, <laughs> I think of a woman when I'm thinking what I'm thinking right now. But uh, John, uh, Charles Wesley's, what was her name, the mother? Susanna. Susanna Wesley had, was it 19 children, I, I think? I think so, something like that, and, a and, lot. And, and evidently in private interviews, uh, she, had, she had managed to succeed in teaching each one of them that they were her favorite. Wow. <laughs> I think that's kind of the role of a father too. You you know that you uh, each each one is different. Each one is special. And so the and, relationship uh, is unique so for each one. You're right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But uh, we need fathers, people who will be there, and no matter what, uh, you know, the prodigal. You know, we call it the, the prodigal son. You've heard me say, I I say it's the prodigal God. But uh, see that that younger son would have never come back if he didn't run into the older brother before he met his daddy. Mm -hmm. But the father was looking for him. Mm -hmm. And when you say prodigal father, explain what you mean by prodigal. Well, the word, the word, word prodigal means extravagant or lavish or excessive. And the most prodigal person in that story, to me, is the father's love. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the boy wasted all of his inheritance, but that paled. And in and the depth and the context of his father's love, who was looking for him, yes, almost before he got in eyesight, he was spending his days looking for the son to come home, and and when he came to himself, he came back to daddy's house, and uh, daddy's house needs to be a place where you feel sure you're safe, you know, you can you can come you can home, come home, no matter what's going on, what's happened, mm -hmm. and I, a teacher wouldn't necessarily be like no. that. Is everyone called to be a disciple maker? I mean, we we see the scripture in in Matthew twenty eight verse twenty nineteen and twenty where Jesus was commanding his apostles to go and make disciples of all nations. So making disciples is really important to Jesus. But is everyone called to be a disciple maker? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. And I I sometimes. You know, even in evangelism or discipleship, to me, it's it's. I think we would agree, already agree it's basically the same. Uh, discipleship is an extension of you know you get them converted in evangelism, and you, then you continue to disciple or to mentor them after that fact. But I use the illustration of if if you have a good dose of measles and you uh, you get around somebody who's never had the measles, you're gonna give them the measles. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. I think if you have a good dose of Jesus, you're going to get around people and they're going to catch a little of it. That's all there is to it. What are you doing? You're discipling them by your lifestyle and not only the words you speak, but the life that you live. Mm -hmm. And and so it's a uh, it's a natural thing, but also I think the the church not only has not has failed to see it as a natural outreach like the measles uh, illustration, but I think it has to be evangelism and, and discipleship has to be intentional. Mm -hmm. You got to know that that is part of what God has commanded us to do. Mm -hmm. As as Pastor Carl shared the other night about, hey, it's not just to get saved, 
if, if so, we all just got to, you know, get get shot after we get saved and go on to heaven and let's get this thing over with. We're, we're here to make a difference. Mm-hmm. God has a plan and a purpose and a place for every one of us to live our lives out, to impact culture, to impact our, our, our particularly our families, and then beyond our families to the church family, to the community, to the state, to the nation, and et cetera. And uh, so it, it has to be intentional. It, it's not going to, if you don't, have a list of folk you want to be effectual with, uh, it, you know, you'll probably never talk to anybody about it. But so you part have to have of a burden for them. A you know? part of discipleship should be then to let me let me see if I'm say, getting what you're saying. A part of discipleship or the forming of disciples should include teaching them to make disciples, teaching them yes. to to yes. share Christ with other people. Yes. So like and, and some of it, like I said, is just the natural outgrowth of being who you are. Mm-hmm. You're going to catch it mm-hmm. more so than being taught it through the relationship. Through the relationship, but you uh, we got to know that it's part of the command, and it and so we have to make that intentional to be a witness. You know, mm-hmm. uh, to to tell people that you know we we we're we're praying for them. We want them to, you know. I had breakfast the other morning with uh, the other morning. Say was uh, he's. I've had breakfast three or four times with um, uh, uh, Bert Miller, who is the pastor down at uh, Solid Ground Church, who got saved at Eagles Nest as a youth, by the way. And we had uh, we've eaten breakfast at the Cracker Barrel. Every time we've been there, we've had a different waitress. But invariably, when she brings her meal, Bert turns to her and says, uh, "We're getting ready to pray. Is there anything we can pray with you about?" That's good. And uh, on two occasions, the lady said, "Yeah, my my children." She named her children to look what was going on. Mm. And so, and we do. We pray. And so you them. get an opportunity right there. Right there, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's a real subtle way of. It's not a, offensive. Right. It's just to say to somebody, so nobody's going to get offended. I wouldn't think. Right. At that, unless they say, oh, I don't believe in prayer, well, help yourself, and we're going to pray anyway. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, I just, I was impressed with Bert by, by doing that. Taking so, that opportunity. Yeah. yeah, I think, I think we need to, as you said, be intentional and, and look for opportunities like yeah. that. Ask the Holy Spirit to show us where those opportunities exist. Pastor Bill, if you could sum up our discussion on discipleship and just make a statement to your average Joe Christian what they need to know about discipleship what would you say well I I, uh, I have uh, I've tried to say it to people and I don't know how effective it's been but number one you know it, it's as uh, calling ourselves Christians and it means we do things God's way in God's way is number one, and we we're involved in evangelism. We all tend to we need to be a witness. Uh, God's not as I've shared shared recently. Uh, you know, God has not called us to be His uh, attorney, where He did we're supposed to defend what He believed. We're just called to be a witness of what He's done. That's what people need to know. What mm-hmm. what has He done in our lives? And when we do what God has has commanded us to do, which is to be a witness. Uh, to get involved in evangelism and discipleship. Uh, not only do we, you know, enjoy the fruit that we see in other people's lives, but there is nothing like 
it's what I call joy unspeakable when you've been a midwife to somebody else's new birth. Mm -hmm. Or when some truth that you've imparted to somebody, you see them living it out. I mean, it, it just... It, it, it's just good, as you know. I, I just mentioned a minute ago about Bert and uh, Bert Miller and being saved at at, uh, at Eagles Nest. So now he's a he's a young preacher and doing a great job down at Solid Ground. And uh, uh, I I don't remember him, and and I don't know that I had a thing to do with his salvation. It was a youth weekend, but it happened weekend, under so your ministry. But it happened under the ministry there, and so you know it's. You can look at look. I can look at him and say, "Great job, you know. Yeah, you done well." And uh, and you have a sense of of gratefulness inside gratefulness. of you and satisfaction. But when but when you have done it one on one with somebody, there is no feeling like that mm -hmm. to know that you've just caused somebody to escape, you know, hell, mm -hmm. death, and, and and destruction. And to see them through, just through your relationships and the relationships of others and their agreement with the word of God to prosper right. and to, to and bear then fruit. And to see them to walk it out as you become a father or at least a mentor, or teacher, tutor to them. Mm -hmm. uh, nothing like it. It's a great uh, joy. They, yeah, great see joy. That, the fulfillment in their lives and God that you is. It just does something to you. And you, and it, it's just a peace of God that you know, mm -hmm. it transcends all things and not peace with God, the peace of God, mm -hmm. uh, because you have been a midwife to somebody's yeah. birth. It, it's amazing that you know this this whole thing starts with birth and physical and the spiritual. Mm -hmm. And then, but we got to grow. You, mm -hmm. you, you know, and that's what. And there is fathering and mothering in the middle of all of that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it just, yeah. it's, you don't just put a baby on the birthing tray and say, "Okay, kid, get on with it." And somebody's got to burp him and change his diaper and clean up the mess and teach him teach right him from wrong. Right from wrong and uh, not to lie and cheat and steal, but to help him mature. At some at some point when they're old enough to understand it, uh, begin to talk to them about salvation and yeah. what that means. And uh, gee whiz, when that happens to you and uh, it happens through you, it, it, it's great when it happens to you. But I think there's almost greater joy sometimes in having and seeing it happen through you than mm -hmm. uh, than to you, and mm -hmm. uh, I believe that with all my my being. And it makes our heavenly Father's heart glad. Yep, delights his heart. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Bill, for joining us for this co uh, conversation. We're grateful for yeah, your experience and and uh, your love and. You've been a father to me. I've said that in many, many occasions, but I'm grateful for your influence in my life and your walk. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you. What a blessing it's been to have this conversation with Pastor Bill Salmon Sr. today. And I know that uh, I'm not the only one. There are many, many people who look to Pastor Bill as a father, because they watch, they watch his life and they want to be like him. They want to, to love Jesus like he loves Jesus, and they want to love people like they have been loved by him. And I, I know he's not, uh, he's not Jesus, but he's becoming like Jesus, and uh, he's a man worth following. I, I think of um, 
some scriptures that talk about fathers and sons. And the idea of this image in scripture is, is one, fathers reproduce who they are. And two, fathers and sons or children of fathers are attempting to be like their fathers. And in Matthew chapter 5, it's, it's apparent here in verses 44 and 45. These are Jesus' words, and he's saying, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that, I have that so that circled in my Bible, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. In other words, he's saying, so that you may be sons of your father, meaning you may be like him. And that if you love your enemies and if you pray for those who persecute you, you will be acting like your father and how he loves. And Paul wrote, a couple of uh, scriptures. <laughs> yeah, he wrote a lot of scriptures. But some of the things about fathering. In 1 Corinthians 4, let's see, verses 15 to 17. Paul is speaking and he says, For if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I exhort you, be imitators of me. For this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, and he will remind you of my ways, which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere in every church. So Paul is saying, I follow Christ, and I have learned my ways from Christ. And he's saying, I have imparted these ways to Timothy, and I'm sending Timothy to you to impart those ways to you. And so there, the what we talked about in the last podcast about the succession of the, the rabbi to the disciple, it's the same image for us. We have Christ who we're following, but we also have people that he brings in our life who are significant relationships, significant role models, but but role model is is not a good enough expression. And, and I think one of the th ways that we can improve our evangelism, our discipleship, our disciple making is if we will become as fathers and mothers to those that we are that we're leading, that we can love like that. And that they can follow us like that. And the last scripture I want to share is in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. Again, Paul is writing specifically to his son Timothy, his son in the faith. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This succession must happen where we receive from our elders, from our fathers and mothers in the faith, and then we take responsibility for it and pass it on to those who are following after us. That's what the Lord intended, and that's what Paul was working at everywhere he went. 
and we would do well to, to learn and to follow. Thank you so much for joining us today for the Gaining Strength podcast. And a special thanks goes out to Pastor Bill Salmon Sr. We so appreciate his time and experience and love and that he shared with us today. If you would like to hear more from Pastor Bill Salmon Sr., he is uh, the main teacher of the Orchard Bible Study. There is a podcast called the Orchard Bible Study, and there is also a website www.theorchardministry.org. You can get much, much more rich teaching from that website and from that podcast. We thank you so much for joining us. God bless you. Have a great week.